0: It's time to take the quiz. 5 questions, 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week.
1: Take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Me Show, the first after Labor Day. I know, and everyone said for the longest time, the election really doesn't start until after Labor Day. Guess what? Check your calendar. It's after Labor Day, so we can officially say something we knew all summer. Everything matters. So we know Iowa's not until January. We know a debate's a couple of weeks away, back on Fox Business. There'll be a third in Alabama, at least, and then we'll see where we stand. I mean, we had eight on the stage Eight on the stage on the first debate. Uh, it looks like Mayor Suarez is not going to continue. I don't know if Will Hurd can do it and Larry Elder as well. Now we got five qualifying, which makes me wonder: Do we really? Is it possible to maybe narrow all the topics down to three? Let's start.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
1: Number three, they did hack me, which was unappreciated to say the least. I brought it up clearly, put it right on the table. I, by the way, I brought up all uh, many of our grievances on behalf of uh, our national security concerns, uh, concerns of U.S. labor. Didn't pull any punches.
3: I hope that's the case, but man, if you hacked me, I wouldn't have visited at all. That was a woman with. Uh, Presidential Aspirations' Gina Raimondo, the latest Biden official to beg to be nice to China, even though they're not nice to us. China aggression versus U.S. as new heights. It's revealed now that they have breached very sensitive sites over 100 times in our country, like military sites, like intelligence sites, with no consequences. As I mentioned, four cabinet secretaries all visit China. China doesn't business here, and they're not showing up for the G20. Joe... It's time to wake up
2: number
4: two. So we're changing that. Replacing trickle down economics with everyone on Wall Street is referring these days to Bidenomics. And guess what? It's working.
3: Economy. Joe says it's great. Most of you say it's not. We have the stats, but only you have your reality. I want
0: to hear from you. Number one, you know, it's an alarm bell for Democrats who think that because of these indictments, he's going to automatically lose a general election. This poll suggests, no, it's a very competitive race, but it suggests that this is not in any way uh, a gimme for the Democrats. It's a dead heat right now. 2024. So far, the primary is all
3: Trump up by about 40 dead heat nationally. Despite four indictments, we have the polls and the reaction for the dumb, dumbfounded Trump critics. Many which have said that he be dead and buried by now. Why isn't he? And by the way, this is a great day for us. Anytime we can add to the Brian Kilmeade Show family, we're adding... Uh, over at uh, WATA-AM, Curtis Media Boone in North Carolina, uh, will air our show uh, every single day, live, like right now. And welcome. We truly appreciate you being here. And let me welcome you to Chris Christie, uh, the former governor of New Jersey, uh, now moving up in the polls in New Hampshire, uh, especially, uh, and fighting the good fight already qualified for the second debate. Governor, welcome back.
5: Brian, thanks for having me. Hope you had a good everyday weekend.
3: Uh, did you work? Were you out there?
5: We were we were out there working, and um, we're out we're raising money and uh, making sure that we have what we need to communicate our message all across the country.
3: My analysis: the best thing that ever happened to you, Mike Pence, and and Governor Haley is Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> yeah, it, look,
5: <laughs> he, look, he, you know, everybody there in every one of the races I've seen, and I know you've seen over the last few cycles. Um, there's a candidate who comes out of nowhere seemingly to get some attention, um, and it's a, it's a temporary thing. And I you know, I have my eyes focused where I need to have them focused. And uh, to the extent that Vivek continues to be the kind of guy you wanted to stuff in the locker in the 11th grade, um, you know, we'll deal with him. But <laughs> the, the fact is that we have important issues to deal with in this country, uh, and people who have experience and are thoughtful about them need to deal with them. And that's what I intend
3: to do. Yeah, I mean he's really bright. I'm, fr- I'm very friendly with him. I did his feature when his book came out. The success he had before forty, almost no one, including me, would ever experience. Uh, but when it comes to foreign policy and some other issues, I just looked at your face at the debate in Milwaukee. You leaned forward and you thought to yourself, "Is this happening?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then that's going <laughs> <laughs> Brian. You know, you don't. Know,
5: I don't think it should be American policy to treat. Israel like we treat every other country in the Middle East when Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. I don't think it should be American policy to give, it, give away Taiwan uh, to the Chinese. I don't think it should be American policy to cuddle up to a brutal autocratic dictator like Vladimir Putin with the hopes that he's going to like us more than he's going to like another brutal autocratic dictator in Xi Jinping in China. Um, and as I predicted on the debate stage down North Korea – wants to get involved in the game because Joe Biden is so weak that everybody feels like now's the time to take advantage. And Vivek is essentially playing that same game. So, you know, uh, these are the realistic things. The good news is we've only had one debate so far. We have another one in in, uh, three weeks, and I'm looking forward to being there.
3: You, uh, I understand, believe that uh, President Trump will be at the Alabama debate. I don't know who's carrying it or details, but why do you believe that?
5: Because I think you know he lost um, uh, he lost an opportunity I think in uh, you know in Milwaukee to be there and I think to be able to articulate what he wants I think he thinks the the uh, audience at the University of Alabama would be a favorable one for him he likes that um, and I think he's going to want to get in the middle of this thing so I think he'll be there um, I'm going to be there so it doesn't matter to me whether he's there or not um, but if he is there it'll certainly be a bit of a different atmosphere on the stage.
3: So I want you to hear George Stephanopoulos, a place you used to be full-time. I imagine you got benefits if you chose to take them or you could use your wives. That's something personal for you. But ABC, George Stephanopoulos, this week with him, he was actually on the show. Uh, And here's what, he was just shocked by the new poll that has Trump and Biden locked at 46%, cut to. It is kind of shocking in a way
6: that despite all of the baggage that Donald Trump carries, he's tied with Joe Biden right now. With every passing month, with every new indictment, Donald Trump seems to be consolidating his
3: control over the Republican Party. And as much experience as you had and he's had and every expert's had, no one predicted anything that's happening right now. Four indictments? I don't know if anyone said four. His rea- the reaction for the public? I-, I believe they've gone so far. They've made Donald Trump a sympathetic figure, which I don't even think he's comfortable with. Do you agree?
5: Look, I think that what's happened here is that all of this stuff is theoretical when it's an indictment. Um, I think the problems for Donald Trump are going to come when he's got to go to trial um, in two different respects. Um, the first is that evidence is actually going to be presented by live witnesses and documents that will make people, I think, feel significantly differently about this and make, make them feel much less like some of these charges. And you know, Brian – I don't agree with the New York case. I don't think it should have been brought. And I don't think the Atlanta case should have been brought against Donald Trump. Um, he had already been charged with essentially the same crimes in the federal case. And I think both the state cases went well overboard, and I wouldn't have brought them. Um, but on the two federal cases, uh, I think when those that evidence starts to be presented, it becomes much more real to people. Secondly, he's going to be sitting in a courtroom um, for – all of March and much of April, every day, um, it's not optional whether to show up for your criminal trial or not, as it is for a civil trial. And so he's going to have to be there every day, um, not out there making the case against Joe Biden. When, when those things happen, uh, I think this, this race changes significantly. And as those things become uh, more of a reality, as we get closer to it, I think the race changes.
3: And I, I know that's uh, what everybody's banking on, because, because it's a pretty big deficit between uh, DeSantis, you, uh, Nikki Haley, Vivek. So as you look at that, when you strategize, and it is to me like sports, when you strategize, is your goal to get ahead of DeSantis or is your goal to get ahead of Trump? Well, I'm
5: already ahead of DeSantis in New Hampshire in the last poll uh, by five points. Um, and within 20 of Trump, and Trump's at 34 in, in the latest New Hampshire polls. So look, th- this is why these national polls are foolhardy, Brian. We don't have a national primary. We, we have a state by state primary. This should remind everybody of 2016 when Hillary Clinton was ahead of Donald Trump in every national poll going into general election day. And then Donald Trump gets 306 electoral votes. Why? Because this is a state-by-state race, both in the primary and in the general election. And so, to me, national polls are meaningless. Um, They show trend, but they don't show anything other than that. And what we're seeing in New Hampshire is that we've gone from 0 to 14% in three months, and we're going to continue to climb in New Hampshire. Uh, And then if Donald Trump were to lose one of those elections in Iowa or New Hampshire, or south carolina or nevada in the first four then it becomes an entirely different race so you know the election is not going to be held today and i know you know for some reason there's always an obsession among people that they want to end the race before it starts um it's not going to happen so we're going to continue to run the race we're going to run hard in new hampshire and south carolina and we're going to see where this ends up in january and february not in uh september
3: was Ron DeSantis wrong not to show up with Joe Biden in Florida after the hurricane? Sure.
5: He was playing politics with it. But that's his choice. I'm not the least bit surprised that that's what he chose to do. Um, you know, the governor of the state, uh, the president of the United States comes and you're asking uh, the president of the United States and the Congress for significant uh, aid, which Ron DeSantis is doing, um, and especially if you voted against it uh, 10 years ago uh, for Sandy aid, um, you know, you should have been there with the president to welcome him. Fortunately, Rick Scott, the United States senator and a former governor, two term governor who knows what it means to be governor, um, showed up uh, and made sure that the president saw the things that he needed to see. Your job as governor is to be the tour guide for the president, is to make sure the president sees your people sees the damage, sees the suffering that's going on and what's going to need to be done to rebuild it. You're doing your job. And unfortunately, he put politics ahead of his job. That was his choice.
3: Uh, Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think in his mind, and I have not talked to those guys, uh, they saw an ad. Coming out uh, from his Republican opponents, Ron DeSantis is really a Democrat. Guess who we decided to show up with? Uh, Joe Biden and praise Joe Biden for his, he wants to, he praised for Joe Biden for his support. That happened to you, correct? It did.
5: It did. I wouldn't do a thing differently because my obligation is to the people who elected me. And the people who elected me were all the people of the state of New Jersey. And guess what? We were able to rebuild our state in record time, um, be able to bring it back to where it needed to be, returned our tourism Um, the very next summer. Remember, Sandy happened October 29th, and by the next summer, tourism was back at the Jersey Shore because of the way we worked with the federal government to get the aid we needed and to get things done. Um, I think people should want someone who wants to do their job first and foremost while they were auditioning for another job, not put the audition for the other job and the politics ahead of doing things for the people of Florida.
3: So uh, we had President Biden out over the weekend, and there are times when you want to say the economy's great. That's your you could look at certain numbers. Everybody knows that as part of politics. I look at the job numbers. I look at the fact of growth. And I had, but I've never seen someone blatantly lie about a liability. And one of the things that he's lying about is that he cut the deficit. And I cannot believe this, but the federal deficit not only is not cut, it doubled for the first time without a catastrophe or a war from one trillion last year to two trillion for this fiscal year and it's going to go up again. All the spending programs that he passed on mostly a uh, partisan vote, some were bipartisan on on the infrastructure uh, have now come into play, and the money that is not there, we have spent six point seven trillion. We have only we've only had four point five trillion in revenue and the president of the United States actually stood on the stage. I think it was Philadelphia and said, I'm cutting the deficit. How do you attack somebody that blatantly takes his liability and tries to reverse it? The other thing he says is Republicans have been bad on fentanyl and I'm going to crack down on it. That type of jujitsu almost seems so farcical. But are you concerned it's going to work?
5: Uh, It's it's only going to work if the person running against him in November has their own credibility problems. That's the only way it's going to work, Brian. The fact is that we know, and I've been talking about the spending that's been done, quite frankly, since Barack Obama. Obama, Trump, and Biden have have added trillions, trillions and trillions to the deficit. Trump's added over $6.5 trillion. In four years right. to the deficit, Biden's adding even more. He's going to outstrip Trump's four years without a spend. pandemic.
3: And I, I like to take Trump's record. and I think you agree with me prior to the pandemic, don't you think?
5: Well, look, I, I, I'm I'm excluding pandemic spending, Brian. If you add pandemic spending, it's over eight trillion. Um, look, Donald Trump admitted it himself. He, he had no interest in fiscal responsibility. He didn't. And he spent the way he spent. That's fine. He'll have to defend that at some point. But it becomes very difficult if you don't have a great record on spending to be able to call Joe Biden out on his lies. Right. And Joe Biden is lying. He's lying in a big way. Listen, inflation, it still costs 17% more for families to buy anything than it did when Joe Biden became president. They still are having their wages fall behind what their, what their costs are. Um, people feel like they're worse off in America today than when Joe Biden became president because they are. And it's becoming harder and harder for them to be able to put food on the table, put gas in the car, cool their homes in the summer, heat their homes in the winter because of his awful energy policy. I mean, look, there's so much to go after this guy on. And to get back to your original point, that's why we don't want to be talking next fall about whether Donald Trump was convicted in some of his earlier trials or will be. We want to be talking about Joe Biden's awful performance as president of the United States.
3: Governor Christie, you don't have a Mets playoff run to distract you. You can focus on your own run. So best of luck. (laughs) Thanks for checking in with us. It's after Labor Day. Nobody can say it doesn't matter anymore. Go get him, Governor.
5: It's game time, Brian, for for (laughs) politics, but not for our Mets.
3: Not for your Mets or the Yankees. Uh, thanks so much. (laughs) 1 866 408
7: 7669. Back in a moment. It's
2: Brian Kilmeade.
7: Hey, folks, it's your man Keyshawn Johnson here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go to home services marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services
2: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
4: I tell you what. Someone said, you know, uh, that bite. He's getting old, man. I tell you what. Well, guess what? Guess what? I tell You know, the only thing that comes with age is a little bit of wisdom. I've I've, I've been doing this, longer than Anybody, and I guess what?
3: I'm going to continue to do it with your help. Look, uh, that's what they told him to do. Spin it. And I think Bernie Sanders could spin it, even though he'd be terrible for the country. He'd go, listen, I'm getting older, yeah, but I'm not slowing down. And, you know, he really isn't. I don't think he's running for re- – there's a good chance he's not running for reelection, election, by the way. And you could say that, you know, make your age wisdom. And Trump is reluctant to bring up age because he's 77. He doesn't want people examining him, even though, you know, I don't think – any out of all the criticisms on Trump, very, time, very few people say, oh, he's too old. Uh, they just don't want them or they absolutely have to have them. You heard Chris Christie that the field is not losing uh, faith that they'll have a shot at this before it's said and done. When we come back, the latest on the border and how it's affecting Democrats in Democratic cities. We go to Texas, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
8: When I looked at that recent poll, the Wall Street Journal, I I said, oh, this could keep me up at night. Look, the problem is, and the biggest challenge we face is, is Democrats. I say we because... I'm a Democrat, is that young voters, young black and Latino voters, they're not ready to come back to the party. They're not even looking at the the so-called messaging that's being sent to them about the economy, about climate change, about student debt relief. They are worried about their future, and right now they're looking for a leader who represents their values and their vision. And I think the, the president's campaign is going to have to really... You know, go deep and go hard to motivate those voters to come back within the Democratic Party coalition. Because without them, it is a tight race, and it's going to come down to four states. And
3: I, you know, nothing against Donna Brazil's nice person. Used to work at Fox, but I, I always fast forward her, her sound bites because they're all just read. You know, they're they're pro-Democrat. They're not an they're not analysis. This was a, in my view, a message right to. The people around Joe Biden or who's ever going to run instead of Joe Biden, uh, that she's seen polls with all her years of experience and show that there's a problem coming her way, uh, the Democrats way, and they're not even addressing it or acknowledging it. And they just think Trump is so he'll be the nominee and we'll beat him easy. It's not going to be much of a problem. We've got a good, great chance of taking back the House. I'm going to leave it to the others. And she's seeing a major problem, a major problem among people that never were a problem before. Uh, African-Americans and Latinos, and more and more they're swip, they're flipping because they just know how much better their life was. And I look at some of this. Rent up 7.7%. Do you think they're listening to Joe Biden in Philadelphia tell you how great Bidenomics is if you're paying more? The average food, 4%. So if you, I, I was on one of those type budgets. Thankfully, I'm not now. Most of my life. And if everything's a little 4 or 5% and you have almost zero margin for error, that means if you go out to eat, it throws off your budget. And going out to eat is now more expensive. Average gallon of gas is going up. It's now at $3.81 again. So here we go. And 70% of the jobs added were people coming back to their jobs after the pandemic. So even the jobs numbers are a little bit skewed. I want to bring this to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Not only perspective on the border, but first I want to talk to you about uh, minorities. Nobody has to tell you you're an American first, African American second, in my view, uh, colonel. And you're just going to vote for what's better for the country uh, and do what's better for the country. But for the longest time, people have stayed within their lanes. Is something really changing? What do you think Donna Brazil is up to saying something like that on a national television show?
9: Well, I think that something is truly really changing. It's good to be with you, Brian. When you look at a Georgia state representative down uh, in a 98 uh, percent black Before Joe Biden, 96 to 97 percent, and she decides that she is going to change her party affiliation from Democrat to Republican, not because it's going to give her political advantage, but because she doesn't feel any alignment with the Democrat Party, and her number one issue was school choice. So when you start to look at the inner-city communities where the schools are failing kids, I mean, many kids uh, in the black community cannot read or do math at grade level. Uh, you look at the wanton crime that is occurring in all the major urban population centers. I mean, just about every week we have a young black child that is killed or shot because of a gang straight bullet. When you look at what is happening on the border and, you know, how these Hispanic communities are being uh, adversely affected, and of course young people see the influx of fentanyl so yes the democrat party is failing is not just their messages their policies that people are realizing they don't help me. And you just articulated uh, with rent, with food, with gasoline, all of the everyday things that people have to contend with. And no amount of lying to them is going to get them to continue to provide electoral support to a failing political party.
3: And if you want to look at macroeconomics, go ahead. You look at this. He has doubled the deficit in a year from one to $2 trillion, Yeah. At a time in which the interest rates have gone up, and it was explained to me that the – the bad, the interest that we're paying on that debt, as the Fed ratchets up interest rates to slow down the economy and slow down inflation, now equals defense spending. Do you believe that? It mm-hmm. now equals defense spending. And we need more of it. Yeah. And, and people are trying to cut it.
9: Yeah, and think about this. What Jerome Powell is doing when you raise those interest rates, uh, you're really putting the crunch on the small community banks, which means you're putting a crunch yeah. on small businesses. Uh, they're not able to go and get loans, and we just saw Moody's downgrade about 15 to 20 small banks. But also the other thing is that people are stuck in their homes. Nobody wants to go and look at buying a new home because the interest rate now is 7 or 8% on purchase of a new home or even purchase of a new car. Look at the interest rates on a, a car loan. So what Donald Brazil has to understand is that they can sit around and say, well, let's trick them once again, but people are feeling it, and they're not going to fall. Like I said, they're not going to fall for her lies.
3: So I, I know you haven't endorsed anybody yet. Uh, I, wanted you to go, I want you to play another soundbite from Donna Brazil, and this is something that George Stephanopoulos echoed, and, and so did Chuck Todd. No one can believe in the latest national polls and the latest poll. Despite four indictments and all this negative press, Donald Trump's in a flat-footed tie with Joe Biden. Cut six.
8: I've never seen anything like this with Donald Trump. I mean, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? I mean, being convicted, I mean, being indicted, that's making him stronger? Raising $10 million, using an ugly mugshot uh, to raise money? This is a movement. And anyone who thinks that you can apply the old political rules to trying to defeat this candidate based on he's scary, he's ugly, whatever you might want to call him, this is a movement. And uh, we have to respect the fact
3: that it's a movement. And, you know, and if, if the election was today, uh, I think there's an excellent chance he would win. And here's why. They have done the impossible. After the midterms, in which I think he really supported some bad candidates and cost yeah. possibly his party the Senate and didn't go to bat for yeah. his candidate in Georgia and maybe costing his party the Senate. Donald Trump has come out, and they have so overcharged him and, and attacked him to such, in many views, in some ways, absolutely, to an unfair way, they have actually made him, and you combine that with how bad Joe Biden has struggled, in my view, in so many ways, and hurt people with the economic numbers we just discussed. Donald Trump looks better every day.
9: Yeah, well, what the Democrats and of Brazil need to understand is that they've created this two-tiered system of justice, and people are smart enough to sit around and say, hey, look, I mean – you know, we know that, you know, in, in several election cycles, you guys complained about the election results. You guys complained about sitting electors. You guys refused to accept uh, election results. But now, all of a sudden, it's a crime to, to say that you that's how you feel or some of the other things. Uh, it just seems petty. It seems vindictive. And it seems like a third world banana republic. And people are very accurate in saying so and that you are going to use the leverages of the government. Government and the legal system of government to go after your political opposition. So, yes, they have made him stronger. But I will tell you that I think what may end up putting Donald Trump over the hump, if he is the eventual nominee, is his vice president selection. I think that we're going to see for the first time in a long time the position of vice president being a very integral, vital and important selection. Uh, Because when you look at the other side, if it's going to continue to be Biden and Harris, uh, no one wants to see Kamala Harris step up into the role of president. No one, I mean, her approval ratings are worse than what Joe Biden has. So I think that President Trump needs to be very sharp in selecting a strong vice presidential nominee that can really unite the American people and uh, expose the left for the lies and and who they
3: are. Yeah, and this new book that came out, it really makes her look terrible, petty and thin-skinned and really lost. It's even worse behind the scenes. When they had this friendly writer write the last politician, he has a review. I can only go by the excerpts. It makes her look absolutely terrible. Uh, But, Michael, Mm -hmm. the other thing, before we leave the the Trump and persecution, even Chris Christie told me 20 minutes ago, the New York case is ridiculous. Georgia shouldn't have been done. So Chris Christie, maybe the greatest critic of Donald Trump there is said, what are you doing? And bottom line is, think about this. If he sits in courts and starts to win, can you imagine this? If he starts to win, he's going to hit uh, turbo speed. But they're not stopping there. Look at this. Michael Ludig, who's a conservative judge, former federal judge, U.S. Court of Appeals, <laughs> along with that uh, the incredulous uh, Adam Schiff, how this guy's running for Senate and not just disgraced uh, somewhere in some alley is beyond me. This is the new strategy now get him off the ballot cut 12.
6: This is one of the most fundamental questions that could ever be decided under our constitution uh and it will be decided by the Supreme Court of the United States uh sooner rather than later and most likely before the the first primaries uh, uh in which uh, Donald Trump would would be Put on the uh, the ballot or disqualified from the ballot by one of those secretaries of state.
3: And here's why: the Fourteenth Amendment, they say Trump violated by causing an insurrection January sixth. Now, even he wasn't even charged with insurrection, so they're okay. going to bring this up to the Supreme Court and try to keep him off. The Secretary of State in New Hampshire will be the first. All these secretaries of state in these blue states will try to kick him off the ballot, and. Game on. Here we go again.
9: Yeah, well, it's very interesting that they're trying to use the insurrection word when the Democrat Party supports a group called Antifa, which is a domestic terrorist organization, which has been out there conducting so much violence, so much destruction of property. Uh, they continue to do so. They could, they uh, attack law enforcement officers and agencies. We saw that happen in Georgia. And we know that Vice President Harris, uh, when she was a senator, she uh, was going out there helping to get these people uh released from from jail we know that joe biden un, is unconstitutional and that he's violating article 4 section 4 of the constitution with the open borders policy so you have two people sitting in the uh, the oval office the president and vice president that we can clearly see how they supported domestic terrorism and how they are are conducting unconstitutional actions And you're going to try to stretch this into some, you know, insurrection thing uh, uh, with Donald Trump and kicking him off the ballot. This is the reason why Donald Trump is is being successful, because the left, instead of trying to run on the merits of their policies, they're just trying to destroy him as their political opposition.
3: So it just blows me away, uh, Colonel, because, you know, what's going to happen. It's the Fourteenth Amendment. I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I'm lucky to have so many at Fox, and he's not going to be kicked off the ballot, and the Supreme Court will make sure of it. And that's going to be another victory for him. I, I read some of the excerpts from the seven-hour deposition he had to do to ge- legitimize his business because he might have inflated, according to some, the value of his, uh, of, of his company, in you know the volume of his building, the volume, volume of his golf courses, uh, whatever that is, with no complaints. There's not a bank out there say he didn't get paid. There's not a country out there that said he violated their laws. There's no illegal activity. They think he inflated the price, the, the, um, the worth of his business in order to secure loans, which he has paid off. So he sat there for seven hours to justify things with Letitia James. When people see this and say, if they can do this to Trump, can you imagine what they can do to even someone of any with with maybe meager means, or even, let's say, a wealthy person? We have no yeah. shot. It, They're making him more likely to be president every day with this stuff.
9: Absolutely, they are. And you consider, you know, Joe Biden and his family with twenty shell companies. Nine members of his family getting, you know, funds from countries like Romania. Unbelievable. Uh, we know the corruption. Of, yeah, the corruption of Hunter Biden. But yet nothing is being said. Nothing is being done. Michael Weiss is a disgraced, you know, special yes. prosecutor. And and he's supposed to be in charge of an investigation. They, they are propping him up. And you're absolutely right with what you're saying. And I think this whole scheme, this whole uh, attack that they're using, plan of attack they're using, is severe backfiring against them and they're going to be completely frustrated and they're going to end up imploding.
3: I uh, yeah, I mean I, I and Mark Elias is behind this big 14th amendment. He and John Podesta have done more damage to this country than anybody else. He's the evil yeah, but, guy behind but, the Russia investigation. Again, Go ahead.
9: But again, understand the 14th amendment had to do with people that fought and the Confederacy not allowed them to come back and and be you know federal it's officers incredible. Donald Trump didn't put on Donald Trump didn't put on a uniform of a,
3: I mean this is sick it is it's nuts, and by the way, this is crazy over the weekend, I had to read this twice after Trump put out all oh, the paraphernalia, it wasn't ten. he made twenty million dollars off his head off his mugshot. The Trump indictments, some of the biggest names in rap are now backing Donald Trump. And this guy, and I don't know any of them, my bad, Chicago rapper Badman Kivo did the best to give Trump a leg up this week by tattooing the former president's mugshot on his leg and sharing the moment on Instagram with his three followers. He also has three or four others. They're saying, you're my guy. We think you're persecuted. That mugshot on mugs, that sold me. I'm in. And I'm just wondering how many people in the African-American community will remember that President Trump wanted to send federal troops into these cities, not to come down on them. But to come down on the people in these cities that wanted to live a life but couldn't because of the crime around them, as opposed to let's make sure cops don't chase criminals. Let's make sure cops have no power to follow up and prosecute. Let's make sure the criminals get zero cash bail. And I'm just wondering how many good working families in the cities are going, I'll take the other guy.
9: No, they're starting to think that, especially if you live in, like, say, Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, D.C. New you York. look at the mayor of Chicago, he's an absolute embarrassment. <laughs> and so people want law and order. People want to be safe, not people just do. domestically, yep. but they want to be safe internationally. Gotcha. We don't feel safe with the threats of Russia and China.
3: Hey, Colonel, I really wore you out today. You've been, you're you going to have to take a rest no. after this. You, you sure? No, I'm good, man. I'm going to take my podcast now. All right. Good. Go do it. Uh, all right, Colonel Allen West, thanks so much. Go get him. Thank you, Brian. All right, and go tape us and go check out his podcast. Back in a moment with your calls 1 408 7669. Brian Kilmeade
2: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I
10: think there's a real alarm and it's becoming more and more real. I mean, people were somewhat hopeful that we would be in a different place by now. Uh, And now they're starting to come to the realization that, hey, this is we might actually have Donald Trump as the nominee and Joe Biden as the nominee. And this is something that 70 percent of the people in America do not want. They do not want Donald Trump or Joe Biden. They don't want a rematch and they don't think these are the two best choices to be running in the race.
3: And that is Larry Hogan, a moderate Republican who despises Trump. And I actually think that he'll end up running on the no-labels ticket because what else is he going to do? They're still trying to get him to run for Senate. He'd be the one that has a legitimate shot at getting that Republican seat. We'll see what happens. Uh, But uh, Donald Trump did endorse the wrong guy in Maryland that would have given him a shot against Westmore, who now took over and is a rising star on the right. But listen, the Republicans are in the anti-Trump Republicans are in a bad spot. Because all they could do is say, get out of the race. And if he still wins, they'll say, well, we'll go to no labels. No labels will help. No labels and whatever they, whatever third party wants to go. You know, Joe Lieberman was on with us last week. If he runs, that's going to help Trump. So you could say whatever you want. Nobody wants to hear what Larry Hogan has to say. It's going to be the people in the field. And if they have a shot, they're not going to listen to Larry Hogan saying to get out like John Kasich did last time. Brian Kilmead Show, so glad you're here. Don't move. And remember, if you ever miss the show live, especially in this election with all the breaking news we always generate from this show, get the podcast, briankilmeadshow.com.
2: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division, it's Brian Kilmead.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad to be with you uh, as we come to you from uh, we, we broadcast from midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. And we know now no more can they tell us it doesn't matter. It's too early. It's the dog days of summer. We're now after Labor Day. Most of us are back at work. Some of us are getting back to school. And now it's time to really focus on. I always love this. Uh, both primary processes. And I do believe that, you know, it's going to end up. Uh, I'm about 80 percent sure that that Joe Biden will not be running again. So I think we're going to have both sides. It's going to be a real exciting primary season while they still look to each other. And before we get to Michael Goodwin and a little bit later, uh, we go out to Ukraine uh, and talk to Dan Belak over there in the war zone. Let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
1: Number three. They did hack me, which was unappreciated, to say the least. I brought it up clearly, put it right on the table. I, by the way, I brought up all many of our grievances on behalf of uh, our national security concerns, our concerns of U.S. labor, didn't pull any punches.
3: Uh, that is Gina Raimondo, our Commerce Secretary. Here we go. China's aggression in the U.S. New heights. As it's revealed, they have breached our sensitive sites over 100 times. No consequences. But instead, they get visits from four cabinet secretaries. And all China hears is weakness. And now there'll be a side summit with Joe Biden. No, there won't be. President Xi will not be going to the G20. So much for being nice.
4: Number two. So we're changing that. Replacing trickle-down economics with everyone on Wall Street is referring these days to Bidenomics. And guess what? It's working.
3: It is the economy. Joe says it's great. Most of you say it is not. We have the stats and you have your reality.
2: Number
0: one, you know, it's an alarm bell for Democrats who think that because of these indictments, he's going to automatically lose a general election. This poll suggests, no, it's a very competitive race, but it suggests that this is not in any way uh, a gimme for the Democrats.
3: It isn't Peter Baker of The New York Times. Twenty twenty four runaway in the primary and a dead heat nationally for Donald Trump. As the real fight for the right to lead our nation begins, we got the polls, the reaction, and the dumbfounded Trump critics who cannot understand how a guy can be indicted four times and be stronger. Ken, Michael Goodwin. Michael joins us now from an undisclosed location. He does not want to give out his GPS uh, coordinates, and I understand that. Uh, Michael, I want to get into your column because it does really resonate nationally. But first things first. I'm watching Stephanopoulos, Chuck Todd, Peter Baker, all these uh, and uh, these experts and analysts can't understand how the latest poll has Trump 46, Biden 46. Can Michael Goodwin?
11: I can, Brian. Uh, I mean, I must admit that I, I too am surprised. If you go back, sure, six months, a year, uh, it, it seemed unlikely that Donald Trump. Uh, could could be the republican nominee if only because there was a general sense within his rivals in the party and i think in the general commentariat that he was not electable in a general election but everything has been flipped on its head uh, as that wall street journal poll over the weekend i think was a devastating poll for everybody except trump Uh, I mean, it makes him look almost invincible (laughs) within the party, and it certainly puts him as a legitimate candidate with Trump. And I think it begins to shift the focus with Biden, I'm sorry, and it begins to shift the focus to Biden. Is Biden really going to run? Is he going to be the standard bearer for the Democrats when he is so weak, when, as you said, the economy is a mess? His approval ratings are disastrous. What, two-thirds of the public doesn't want him to run, uh, including majorities of his own party? They think he's too old. So now I think, in a way, it looks like Trump has not entirely, but he's got a what looks to be an insurmountable lead within the primary. Well, what about Biden?
3: Right. So if people don't know, the Wall Street Journal poll came out and they're tied at uh, forty six. 46. undecided is eight. Uh, now it was at seven in April. So here we go. Uh, now we look at the re- the primary process. And, you know, Chris Christie made a good point last hour. He said, it, you know, for national polls don't matter, but they do show a trend and a tendency and a sentiment. Uh, if they, even if you, you, know, you want to split the difference. Trump's got 59% of the Republican primary vote, DeSantis uh, 13, Nikki Haley 8, uh, Ramaswamy 5, Chris Christie 3, Pence 2, Scott 2, Asa Hutchinson and Berger more at 1%. So now with, it's a little bit closer in Iowa, a little bit closer in New Hampshire, but they're still on top. So no one can understand it. I want you to hear just a collection of people over the weekend, because many people didn't watch on Sunday. Just speculate on what is going on, cut one. It is kind of shocking in a
6: way that despite all of the baggage that Donald Trump carries, he's tied with Joe Biden right
0: now. you know It's an alarm bell for Democrats who think that because of these indictments, he's going to automatically lose a general election. This poll suggests, no, it's a very competitive race, 46 to 46 percent. As you say, we can't be certain about polls certainly as far out, but it suggests that this is not in any way uh, a gimme for the Democrats, despite pre- former President Trump's legal trouble.
10: People were somewhat hopeful that we would be in a different place by now. Uh, and now they're starting to come to the realization that, hey, this is, we might actually have Donald Trump as the nominee and Joe Biden as the nominee. And this is something that 70% of the people in America do not want.
4: Man on the right is the former president of the United States with four
3: indictments. And he's still tied with Joe Biden in this poll. <laughs> they just don't know I, I just don't know how to handle it. And and the thing is, they've so overcharged him in all this stuff. It's all coordinated. And now they're going to hit him with the 14th Amendment, that he was behind an insurrection and is ineligible to run for president. That's Mark Elias' last evil move. The other one was the Russia hoax. Now he's behind the 14th Amendment push. Yeah, and that's only going to help him because he is right to run. He didn't cause an insurrection. And when it goes up to the Supreme Court, it's another victory.
11: Well, Brian, and you're right about, about these polls because what they show is that for a lot of Republicans and even some voters in general, the indictments are proof of a corruption yes. within the Democratic Party and the federal government. And so that is a big part of Trump's support now, that that he has been victimized by a corrupt government. Now, that that is a, like a, a ricochet because it not only helps Trump, but it hurts Biden. And of course, it hurts the other candidates who are in the Republican Party. So that's why I say this poll is devastating in that it, it helps him only and hurts everybody else.
3: So I want to talk about your column. In New York, because I could write the same. You could write same something very similar in Chicago, uh, with mayors and governors, and you could write the same thing. I think in Pennsylvania, with mayor and the mayor of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and the governor, and I think you could probably do it with the horrendous shape of San Francisco and Los Angeles. Oh, we're happy being liberal and we're open-minded. Excuse me, your policies are to the left of everything liberal, and you're destroying the best cities in the world before our eyes. And now you're watching an inept governor uh, work with an overmatched mayor. And what's the result in New York for people listening around the country?
11: Well, Brian, I, it, it feels as though the city is, is kind of sinking fast and that there is no real leadership from the governor or the mayor that would make a difference. Look, I mean, I think that the the previous problems are well known the crime, of course, the quality of life, the public disorder, the taxes, the cost of living, et cetera these are these are well established, a failing school system. What you've got now on top of all of this is the migrant issue, so the city now calculates that there are over 100,000, some kind like 105,000 of the illegal asylum seekers in New York City, of which 60,000 at least are living at city and taxpayer expense, meaning in hotels that the city leased out or in congregate shelters, over 200 of which have been opened just for the migrants, 200 sites. So this is an extraordinary problem. The city has never seen anything like this, and it brought it on itself largely. I mean, of course, Joe Biden is responsible for the open borders, but the mayor and the governor essentially said, come on in, come here. And the city has a right to shelter obligation, uh, which is enforced by the courts. And so anybody who shows up says, I don't have a place to sit, stay tonight. The city has some right to sort of put them through questionnaires, et cetera, but ultimately it has to give them a bed and a meal and a roof. And so when you multiply that by this incredible migrant flood of asylum seekers, most of whom will not get asylum if their ever cases are ever adjudicated, it's, it's bankrupting the city. It's taking over all the public services, all the public spaces, and there's no end to it. And this has been my complaint all along, Brian. When the mayor said, we're a sanctuary city, come on in, the governor did all these things to encourage it, there's no limit. There's no—the border is still open, millions of— I think Fox has uh, counted something like six and a half million have come across the border during Joe Ben. Yeah, that's right, Joe Biden's tenure. Many of them are the gotaways—a million or so of those who who are unidentified. So it's just a disaster, and it's being focused on the city. We we don't know. I mean, we've seen pictures of the border towns and things like that, but we don't know. What are the numbers in Los Angeles? What are the numbers in San Francisco? I mean, Boston had to call out the National Guard last week because of uh, riots there involving the Democratic
3: governor had to call out the National Guard to handle the emergency. The Democratic mayor called out the administration. So now the administration doesn't take his calls. And the governor went to meet, the governor, Democratic governor of New York went to meet with the president. And the, the president had no time, even though he was in the White House and she was in the White House. And this guy's got nothing but time. So they're giving the New York, the cities, the cold shoulder, and they're ruining their own cities. And I know Lee Zeldin helped Republicans come to the polls in New York, got 47 percent, but lost to 52 percent for Hochul. But in turn, they flipped some seats that allowed the House to go to Republicans. Do you believe, Mike, that Michael Goodwin in the New York Post, do you believe that that could the immigration issue could get the Republicans to the polls again or flip the Democrats?
11: I do. I, I think it's a very big issue. I think it's something of a sleeper issue in the sense that the mainstream media doesn't want to cover it, doesn't want to acknowledge it. Um, because it's, of course, bad for Democrats. So let's not let's not talk about it. But it is an issue, I think, that people are seeing across the country. And look, uh, uh, the fact that Joe Biden has such low approval numbers, 36, 38, 39, 40, 41 in these polls, uh, this is clearly one of the main issues. And I think, again, Brian, everything turns on the kind of purple state voter. And in, in many districts uh, around the country, you are going to swing districts right. in the House. You are going to see them turn on the economy, on the sense that, that Joe Biden is too old, and that the immigration is an example of his failure as president to enforce the law and to, and to stand yeah. up for America.
3: Yes. Yeah, so listen to this. Uh, 41 were arrested at the Roosevelt Hotel. This is a hotel that was taken out of mothballs, and now they're living pretty good, and they get three meals a day. Some of them don't like it. Uh, they fight in the stairs. They drink in the hallways. Uh, now 41 people have been arrested at the Roosevelt Hotel. This one woman, a young migrant woman with a prior assault rap, was arrested last week for allegedly slapping a cop, an NYPD cop. She was freed immediately without bail. And she gets to still stay for free three meals a day. And they get laundry service. Do you believe yeah. this? Child and now t- tomorrow, 19,000 illegal immigrant kids uh, who might be the – I'm sure they're wonderful children. But we can't absorb 19,000 illegal immigrant kids into a system that's already dramatically underperforming for those in it.
11: Well, and in and, and some of those arrest stories, there was one – where, where one guy said, oh, I like it here. It's good. I mean, we don't, the, we don't like the food, but we get free child care, too. So wouldn't, wow. wouldn't a lot of ordinary citizens like to have free child care sure. from the government? I mean, it, it, you know, Brian, it, w- when you read those things, it does resonate a, a, a bit with the Ukraine argument. We are spending billions to protect Ukraine's borders, but we will not protect hmm. our own. We are spending millions to give free child care and free housing to illegal immigrants, but we, but we have many citizens who don't have those rights and privileges and comforts. So I think there's a sense that the country is out of whack, that yep. its priorities are wrong, that it's not taking care of its own first. The charity begins at home. Uh, people understand that, and I think that the more these issues go on, don't forget we're we're still a year away from a general election. I think these problems. There's no sign they're going to right. get better within the next year.
3: And while we're talking, the Philadelphia Police Commissioner just resigned over the crime wave that's uh, that's blanketed that city. So that's the story. We can't control the crime because the cops aren't allowed to do their job, uh, and that's it. And when it comes to Ukraine. We have we're, we're suffering under Joe Biden's half in half out tactics, uh, right. not giving them what they need to be successful, but not abandoning them so they don't lose, which I think is also criminal and makes it very tough for Republicans to back this ridiculous approach. And we have a secretary of defense who's there just to collect a paycheck. Uh, thanks so much for the column and the adv- uh, and the insight. Michael Goodwin, thank you.
11: Always a pleasure, Brian. Thank you.
3: One eight six six four oh eight. 766 time. Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
2: You're with Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
12: If at the end of this calendar year, Joe Biden announces that he's not going to seek a second term, based on all your reporting, how much of a surprise will that be to you? I would say it would it would be a small it would be a surprise to me I'm not, but it wouldn't be a total surprise it wouldn't to be a me. total shock it wouldn't be a total shock Why when is he, that? when he talks about his his life he uses this word fate constantly mm-hmm. joe biden is a very religious guy and fate is a word loaded with religious meaning and he always talks about he can't say where fate goes right. and so I always, when I hear that, to me, it's the ellipses in the sentence when he's talking about his own future that I account for in thinking about his calculus.
3: So, look, the headline is he would not be surprised. That's Frank Ford, the author of The Last Politician. He had access for the last two and a half years to Joe Biden. They expected a friendly outcome, not a Bob Woodward type thing where you have no idea. But some of the stuff that has come out has made him look horrible, especially when it comes to Afghanistan, how he couldn't believe the press's reaction to Afghanistan and understand what was going on. And he would have made himself his own advisor and didn't even study the different options and military advisors. But he trumped everybody. And even though he was told, and I'm under, I have a very good source that told me that General Milley has papered his way uh, of it, giving the right advice, he thought, to Joe Biden to leave 2,500 troops behind, just to make sure he wasn't blamed. So uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. But there's Joe Biden. I think he's running. Uh, I think he thinks he's running. I'm just wondering if his party's not going to tap him and say, Joe, you can't run. Can't campaign. You make no sense.
2: From
13: his mouth to to your your ears, ears. it's Brian Kilmeade. Why is all this going on? They want to get to the south, shut off Russia's main supply routes, and therefore be able to bring all their long-range artillery, drones much closer to Crimea, and begin to attack Crimea with long-range fires, depots, fuel and ammunition, military bases, and force the Russians to pull back and eventually Pull some of that military literally out of Crimea without having to physically attack it, which they would likely do next year if this operation is successful.
3: General Jack Keane weighing in, uh, he's with the Institute of Study of War he founded, and he's also a four-star general and our Fox News contributor, talking about the strategy of the Ukrainians, and that's what they hope. And they are making some progress now, but it's hard to tell exactly what's happening on the ground. The guy that is is Daniel Bilak, member of the Territorial uh, Defense Forces of Ukraine, Uh, then also an attorney uh, in Kiev. Uh, Dan, are you still in Ukraine right now?
14: I I am, Brian. Great to be on your show again.
3: So uh, what General Jack just was talking about, does that sound like a strategy that you could sign off on that might be taking place?
14: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love listening to General Keene because he's he's uh, he's a very astute uh, observer of what's going on here. Um, look, we, we it, it's it's a grind. There's no no question about it. Um, you know, no matter what your your plans are, everybody seems to criticize us for for in in the Western media for somehow you know not 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 being uh, not having achieved victory already you know it's like mike tyson said you know it's great to have a plan until you get punched in the face and um you know we are we are going through the most heavily mined uh, country now in in the world we have, there's hundreds of thousands of mines that have been planted on a territory the size of oregon or colorado and it's like five mines per square yard both anti-personnel and anti-tank and heavy fortifications you know if we we got the tanks and, and other heavy, heavy armor that we we'd asked for when we first started asking for it. They wouldn't have all this time to 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 have built these things. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, we don't have planes, so we can't really apply NATO standards of of warfare because we don't have the long range firepower and air superiority, which, you know, the, the Americans and the allies did in Iraq, for example. That's why the losses were so low, because they flew 41,000 Sorkis in in 30 days, using 1,800 yeah. aircraft, so we got to be symmetrical, uh, asymmetrical, and creative. And as the general pointed out, we're creating our own combined arms warfare maneuvers with with drones. You know, we've been successful in breaching their for the Russians' first lines of defense, and we're now securing those positions. Um, you know, we're not we're pushing them back. And we're forcing them in in Bakhmut uh, to to in order to stretch their reserves they artillery, they have low counter battery, and, and they're running low on, on ammo. Um, you know, and frankly, Brian... But now in comes know, North continue. Korea.
3: In comes North Korea with nothing but artillery. Did that concern you as uh, Kim Jong-un makes his way to Moscow?
14: Look, we, we can sweat what we can control. You know, whatever, whatever they get, we're going to continue to try to destroy. You know, you can give them... Uh, uh more more artillery shells and things like that but uh you know if we can continue destroying their artillery and counter battery uh weapons then they won't have anything to fire at us but you know if we advance they know that we advance another 15 or so miles need to get to the water to cut them off if we get within another 10-15 miles on pushing the front forward that'll bring us our artillery within range of their what's called glocks, ground lines of communication. That's the roads, railways, bridges, and that that means it'll come under under the firepower of our artillery, and that's going to be a serious problem for them because we're going to cut them off from Crimea, and we'll we'll cut off their uh, their supply lines coming in from Russia.
3: So a couple of things are uh, are worth discussing. The defense minister uh, was about to be fired; he resigned on Monday. Uh, Zelensky announced plans to replace him. It came. The move comes amid a widening graft probe. As Kiev looks to signal to Western partners who provide enormous amounts of defense that it has zero tolerance for corruption. Was this guy corrupt?
14: Um, you know, Brian, I've actually known Oleksiy Resnikov for 20 years, and he is one of the most honest people I know. Um, You know, I don't think, uh, like, he inherited a monster ministry that had a horrible reputation for corruption for for the last 20 years, the last 30 years. And he's been drinking water from a fire hose since the day he walked in. And he managed to bring our procurement up to NATO standards. He brought in NATO standards for the weapons. He negotiated all of these, uh, these weapon systems. I mean, frankly, he was among the coterie of people around the president who really saved the country. And we owe Oleksii Reznikov a, a great uh, debt of uh, gratitude. You know, he he tried what he could with inside the ministry as best right. he could, and and you know he started to to weed it out. But you know, there are a lot of there's still a lot of things to do. The 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 new defense minister Rustem Umerov, yeah, Umerov is a very capable guy. I've I've met with him uh, in in other uh, when he was at the state property fund um you know speaks idiomatic american uh he's uh, he's a really good manager and and i you know he's going to continue the, the the reforms and the things that right. uh, uh that Oleksiy Reznikov started and um you know he, i guess the president just felt he needed uh, somebody that was that had more uh man- or different managerial experience at this time you know Oleksiy Resnikov started got us you know the weapons we need those things are now coming you know, we could still use the attackums and the planes, but you know that's 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 all in the wor- in the mix as well down the road. So, you know, I, I suspect we'll see. He may get another appointment in uh, in 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 a few days. Uh, he's a very very capable in, individual.
3: Okay, so no big be deal.
14: Negotiators I ever went up against. So honest.
3: Daniel, let me uh, let's move on. We have so many topics to discover. Uh, number one, you guys are kind of admitting you made a mistake by not pushing through in the winter. Here's a quote. Uh, If the Ukrainians don't get a breakthrough, there's nothing stopping the Russians from just digging in some more trenches and counterattacking. And they said whatever happens in the coming days, they'll continue fighting through the winter because Ukrainian troops said they now realize that giving Russia time to build its defenses through the winter was a strategic mistake because they just dug in, set up the mines and set up the trenches. So you guys are not going to let up, which is a lot of pressure on you guys.
14: Well, Brian, it wasn't our mistake. We didn't have – I mean, you know, we only got the sign-off on the tanks in January. We didn't have anything to attack them with. I mean, you know, we, we preserve the lives of our soldiers. You know, they outnumber us in manpower. You know, classic warfare doctrine says you've got to have a three-to-one advantage in, in, air, in, in, in uh, manpower. NATO doctrine says you've got to have air superiority. Um, you know, we didn't have superiority in anything, in, in ammunition, in
3: guns, in tanks, in armor. But didn't you take Kharkiv? Didn't you take Kharkiv right before the winter?
14: We, we, that's exactly right. We, we took Kharkiv before the winter because we took advantage of a—we were very, very opportunistic, which is how we fought this war all along and why we're going to win, because we're creative, we're asymmetrical, and we took advantage of a, of a breach in their line. And they they also learn, Brian, from their mistakes. And uh, yeah, I got two two of the things,
3: right. And the other problem is the Europeans are not buying Russian oil and gas from Russia, but they're buying it from India, who's getting it at a discount from Russia. So that is absolutely wrong. So here you are trying to isolate and pre- hurt them economically because of their invasion of your country, and Europe says, "Yeah, we'll provide all this weaponry and money." But at the same time, they're buying Russian oil and gas.
14: Yeah, and there's a lot of sanctions busting and lots of loopholes. I mean, the, these things really need to be tightened up. Uh, you're absolutely right, Brian. You know, I mean, the, the economic front in this war is just as important as the as the. Uh, as the military front and, and frankly, you know, the sanctions, you know, don't seem to have brought Russia to its knees economically. Uh, it's hurting. It's not being able to produce what it could, but, you know, they're still making weapons and, 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 you know, the Chinese are, are sending them dual, dual use, uh, equipment. So they, you know, they take the chips out of the washing machines and they put them in their, in their rockets. Right. Um, uh, but you know, it's, it's the same thing with, uh, with, uh, with the grain deal, right? With the Black Sea grain Initiative. and it just—it just goes to show that you can't trust anybody in this in this mix, um, you know, especially Mr. Putin. I mean, you know, he—he—he's he, prepared to let fifty million people starve by uh, not allowing Ukrainian grain to leave the ports, and uh, you know, it just shows you can't—you can't, you can't mm-hmm. sign any agreement with him that he's going to maintain. Just ask Mr. Prigozhin, which you can't because he's dead because Putin backed... <laughs> Renae done his deal with him, uh, apparently. Right. So um, you know, it's it's it, it, it. We really need our partners to be uh, r- vigilant on this and, and 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 enforce the sanctions. I mean, Daniel uh, yeah, if
3: Daniel Bilak, our guest from Ukraine, he calls the of a war zone. Here's what else General Keane says: America is not doing cut thirty eight.
13: Well, we have hundreds of tanks that we could provide to the Ukrainians, in my judgment. We have different kinds of Abrams tanks. Some are more sophisticated than others. But look, at the Ukrainians have proven time and time again, whatever the technology is we give them, they, they can handle it. We were forced into giving tanks uh, by the Germans and the Europeans because they wanted to give the leopard tanks and the challenge tanks that the U.K. has. But we could have given so much more. They yeah. didn't get... Anywhere near all the tanks that were promised them by the Europeans, and now they're going to get 31. Will the 31 make a difference? Of course it will. This is a very good tank that they're going to use. But the reality is we could have given them, as we have said so many times before, so much more and so much sooner.
3: So it's frustrating for people that want to see you successful here. And this is with the – I know you can't criticize does administration. It doesn't, it's not in your best interest. But they don't give the high – uh, they don't give the long-range missiles, the attackums, which can be shot off the HIMAR launchers, I understand. They don't provide the tanks and the speed in which they did it. They said they're going to train F-15, F-16s, uh, but they're not going to start until September. It should be starting now. They had to set up a syllabus, which is a joke. And now we have other nations donating our planes with our permission to you guys, and we'll train you. So you got about 200 uh, pilots, I think, ready to go. So... Little by little, you're getting what you need. But if you're gonna get it, why not get it all at once?
14: Look, you know, Brian, every government uh, uh, is doing what it's doing in Ukraine because it listens to its citizens. And and when you know people are just uh, just appalled by by what's happening, that uh, that a democratic, uh, free country is being invaded for no reason. You know, it, it really, it really, it really, you know goes against everything, every, every sense of freedom that Americans have. You know, we are really grateful to the American taxpayer and to the American people for, for the support that we've had because I think that everything we've gotten has been because the American people have been behind us. And, you know, uh, it, a lot of money has been spent to help uh, Ukraine. There's been a lot of speculation about we spend too much, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, uh, uh, w- while it's only 6% of the Pentagon budget, at the same time, Americans expect a return on their investment. And the return on their investment is victory. And it's, it's, our, it's exactly the same return that we want to give them on their investment, which is get this war over fast. And the more weapons we get from the United States, the faster we get them from the U.S. and our allies. Uh, General Keene is absolutely right. We now, we now know how to use more NATO systems and platforms than any other NATO country. Yep. Uh, knows, knows how to do. And we not, uh, not only know how to use them, we have made them interoperable on the battlefield, which has blown the minds of a lot of military experts. And, you know, the, the, the biggest problem is that when, 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 the, when the equipment gets slow walk, our people die. And our overriding concern is always, and that's why we go slow on the, on the counteroffensive, not, not just to preserve the lives of our soldiers, but we need to keep liberating every single village from this brutal and gruesome occupation. I mean, I, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, it, it, you know there, are, there are cases now of places that we found in, in deoccupied uh, that we liberated where, you know, little girls have been raped so badly that there's no separation between the vagina and the anus. You know, I mean, this, this kind of stuff, is, and, and this is over and over again. So this this all this isn't just about dollars and cents and equipment and military it's about the lives of people and we need to end this war and the we kidnapping cannot... of children
3: and brought to moscow is unbelievable um, brought to russia well
14: exactly kidnapping of children etc and you know he doesn't want to negotiate the end of this war he wants us to capitulate and and so we have to win we have to destroy the russian army in ukraine and then and then we'll deal with putin we can negotiate anything we 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 need to negotiate after that but we'll be doing it with our territory intact and our sovereignty restored and there's a big story today about due to the the american people
3: uh right now there's intercepts too of 17 russian phone calls with them talking about how ill-supplied they are and how many people are dying they said should we use our fingers as bayonets we're unable to get our dead. Their bodies are being eaten by worms. We can't get to them. Um, and these are intercepted phone calls because these soldiers, lacking discipline or no other way to communicate, uh, are calling back to their houses. So it is not easy being a Russian, being in the Russian infantry, as hard as it is for uh, the uh, Ukrainians to burst through.
14: They don't. They don't care about the lives of their soldiers either. And. Uh, You know, they're losing uh, about a battalion a day. That's five, six hundred soldiers per day. And, um, you know, at the same time, you know, because of the mines that they take, 50,000 people in Ukraine uh, have lost their limbs or at least a limb. And, you know, we have a huge problem with prosthetics and everything else. I mean, we're going to have we're going to have to rebuild our society from the bottom up just because of the sheer scale of the brutality. But we can do this and we can mm -hmm. do this together.
3: Right. Uh, and it'll help humanity because that's how bad uh, Russia is. not going to stop here. Uh, Daniel Bilak, thanks so much. Stay safe. Thank you.
14: Thank you, Brian.
3: God bless. All right. Uh, from the Ukraine, finding time for us. 1-866-408-7669. Uh, I'll get to your calls if we can right around the bend. Don't move.
2: Coming to you on a need to know basis because, man, do you need to know? It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
12: Obama used to talk about my vice president, which is a phrase that got under Joe Biden's skin. And so he's very respectful of her. He calls her the vice president. That's very significant for him. But the difference is, is that Obama had holes in his resume that he wanted Biden to fill. And Biden doesn't see the holes in his own resume because he's been around forever. And it leaves her stranded.
3: It leaves her stranded. Uh, not really. I mean, she chose to be leave stranded. She was giving some portfolio, and she says she just didn't do it. So in defense of Joe Biden, you give somebody a, a, a assignment. You're supposed to do it if you're the Vice President of the United States. And they gave him a lot of the international stuff because he loved it. But his advice on Ukraine was terrible. They end up with blankets and MREs. Guess whose idea that was? You got it. It was his. So now this book by... Uh, Franklin for, uh, for the last politician that talks about the vice president, and, and for those of you who think, well, Joe Biden is going to be great for the country if Joe Biden steps aside, she will have the machine behind her. She evidently was called uh, someone with rabbit ears. Any hint of criticism about the way she treats her staff and the way her staff wouldn't stick around, they kept quitting. She'd be beside herself. Ron Klein was reportedly tasked with showing Harris the vice presidential ropes But that quickly went awry. So it's just as bad behind the scenes as you think it is, because we see her in front of the camera. Can you believe behind the scenes it's worse? The best position in the world for a Democrat would have been Joe Biden's vice president, if you were confident. He would have already stepped aside already had he done that.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad to be back after Labor Day. Nobody can say anymore. Well, it's the summer. The elections don't really matter. Nobody's paying attention till after Labor Day. Well, uh, check your calendar. It's after Labor Day. You're back at work, you're back at school, or you're getting close to getting back at work, back at school, and we're ready to go now. And it's getting serious. We know in January, we got the Iowa caucus we know have a debate in a couple of weeks, another one uh, in about a month over in Alabama. And that one, according to reports, including Governor Christie's hunch, he believes that that's when Donald Trump will get into the debates. But right now, you have to see what is uh, what seemingly just a titanic lead he seems to have in the rest of the field. So before we get to Congressman Michael Waltz, also this hour, Tim Stewart's going to be with us. He's the president of the National Oil and Gas Foundation, and he is pushing back and going to tell us, weighing in on what's happened with the UAW uh, strike that could be looming and the breakdown of negotiations that could be happening, as well as the failure of the electric vehicle. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
1: They did hack me, which was unappreciated, to say the least. I brought it up clearly, put it right on the table. I, by the way, I brought up all uh, many of our grievances on behalf of... Uh, our national security concerns, uh, concerns of U.S. labor didn't pull any punches.
3: Wow. See, we've visited anyway, though, right? That was Gina Raimondo, China aggression versus the U.S. at new heights. Now it's revealed that they have breached sensitive sites in America over 100 times with no consequences. But they did get four cabinet secretaries, and all China hears from this is weakness. And by the way, the, the pull-aside with Joe Biden and President Xi at the G20, not going to happen. He's not going.
4: Number two. So we're changing that. Replacing trickle-down economics with everyone on Wall Street is referring these days to Bidenomics. And guess what? It's working.
3: Really? The economy? Joe says it's great. It's working. Most of you say it is not. We have the stats, but only you have your reality. Share it.
15: Number
0: one. And It's an alarm bell for Democrats who think that because of these indictments, he's going to automatically lose a general election. This poll suggests, no, it's a very competitive race. But it suggests that this is not in any way uh, a gimme for the Democrats. And they can't
3: figure it out either. Uh, New York Times, Peter Baker, 2024, a runaway in the primary and a dead heat nationally for Donald Trump. As the real fight for the right to lead our nation begins, we have the polls and the reaction from the dumbfounded Trump critics, while the the first tell-all book on the Biden administration... Well, has some revealing passages. Uh, Joining us now is Congressman Mike Waltz, House Armed Services Committee, among his many jobs. Congressman, welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show.
10: Hey, good to be with you, Brian. Thanks.
3: uh, First off, on something that uh, people are astounded by, Uh, on the general election, the Wall Street Journal does a poll. Very hard to diminish the Wall Street Journal's quality in their polling, but many people will. Uh, It shows right now at dead heat Joe Biden, despite four indictments, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. When you look at the Republican primary field, national politics, I know it's a state-by-state race. But listen, Trump up 59 to DeSantis' 13 to Nikki Haley, 8, Ramaswamy, 5, and it goes down from there. So before I let you hear everybody else try to speculate, why, Congressman, (laughs) do you think this is happening?
10: Well, uh, you know, there's this whole narrative out there that, yes, uh, President Trump's going to run away with the with the primary, but, man, I'm just not sure he can he can win the general. That's the narrative the media wants to push. The White House wants to push. But i got to tell you, the numbers are saying something completely different. Uh, we're seeing, especially since that mugshot, we're seeing African-American men, uh, not huge numbers, but they're starting to – they start they, – they 're starting to trend towards uh president trump We're seeing African American women on the school choice issue. Uh, Jewish voters uh, are absolutely appreciate that President Trump uh, was fantastic uh on on Israel and our relationship with Israel and then Hispanics have been uh, trending towards Republicans uh, and certainly identify with where progressives uh, want to take us in terms of socialism so it, it's um look, I think this is what the third, fourth poll now that we've seen President Trump and Biden in a general election uh, in a dead heat or actually President Trump ahead. And despite everything they're throwing at him, people see right through it. It's highly politicized. So that isn't enough now, Brian. Now they're going to try to take him off the ballot uh, in key states in this specious, untested, ridiculous legal theory uh, based around the 14th Amendment. And I think that's going to backfire as well.
3: There are lawsuits in Florida and New Hampshire asking judges to block Trump from the ballot. Guess who's behind it? Mark Elias, the same Mark Elias behind most of the Russian hoax. We know this. Yep. And now he's reemerged again. Now, what is going to happen? Uh, it's hard to imagine not happening. I think this is going to go to the courts. that He did not uh, do something that would be legally caused an insurrection. So, therefore, he'll win. That will provide more momentum for him as this plays out. And, once again, as you debate the 14th Amendment and Donald Trump, guess what you're not doing? Hearing from Chris Christie, paying attention to Tim Scott, wondering right. what Nikki Haley's going to do. So, this is, at the same time, you can't say, well, that's what Democrats want. Because if he becomes the party nominee, he's going to lose. Listen to conservative Judge Michael Lute though. Luttig, though he came out and said the Fourteenth Amendment is a real threat to Trump. Cut twelve.
6: This is one of the most fundamental questions that could ever be decided under our Constitution, uh, and it will be decided by the Supreme Court of the United States uh, sooner rather than later, and most likely before the the first primaries uh, in which uh, Donald Trump would would be. Put on the uh, the ballot or disqualified from the ballot by one of those secretaries of state,
3: former federal judge, U.S. Court of Appeals judge. So, and he was uh, once thought to be on a short list to be a Supreme Court justice, and that guy known as a conservative. What do you think about what he just said?
10: Well, look, Brian, I think this is just one more instance uh, where. The <laughs> Where these forces are unleashing another Pandora out of the box here, uh, that is, you know, whether that is weaponizing impeachment, uh, weaponizing the Justice Department, uh, <laughs> you know, they talk about President Trump doing damage to uh, our republic. The left is what's doing damage to our republic here. Uh, and if you start – I mean, I've served in places in Africa, in Pakistan, <laughs> and elsewhere – where you run for office and you lose, you're guaranteed to go to jail. Or if that doesn't work, then they just figure out a way to strip you off the ballot. That, I never thought I, thought I would see this kind of stuff here. Uh, and just, you know what, be careful what you wish for, because if they unleash this, then there's going to be a demand that we do it in the future. It's le- at the end of the day, let's let the people decide. Uh, they're, they're putting out these allegations about the president. Let the people decide. Let the people vote. And then let's move forward. But um, I I, I think this is just going down a very, very dangerous, slippery slope.
3: And when you talk about uh, what's good for the goose, good for the gander, they're talking about an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden to find out his role with Hunter Biden's uh, international business dealings. There's a lot of Republican, not a lot, but there's a handful that are not signing on for this. You have very small margin for error. Are you going to if Kevin McCarthy asks you to sign on for it?
10: Oh, in terms of a, an impeachment inquiry, inquiry. Brian, I th- yeah, an inquiry, I, I think that's where we need to go because at the end of the day, the um, the administration is going to block and tackle uh, the things that we need to see in terms of bank records, who was behind these LLCs, uh, you know, what was going on in terms of access to the White House, what policies were changed, uh, flight records that, that Hunter Biden Uh, was flying around on Air Force Two uh, and then cutting deals in the aftermath. The impeachment inquiry gives us greater standing with those subpoenas and gives us greater standings in the court. And that's where I think that's where we need to go. I mean, what more do we need besides the text messages, emails, (laughs) and and the meeting log saying that Joe Biden was directly involved in these business dealings? When you have Russian oligarchs thanking Hunter for the long dinner and all the time with the vice president, To me, that is that's that's enough. And we need to take this to the next level and get to
3: the bottom of it. And Joe Biden asked you, he goes, well, where's the money when he was asked? And he giggled. Let's see if he's still laughing. Uh, But it looks like there's some uh, Republicans not for yet. We'll see how it stands. So let's talk about the Wall Street Journal story today that it looks like there's been gate crashes at U.S. bases uh, by the Chinese. And this is the quote from The Wall Street Journal. Chinese nationals, sometimes posing as tourists, have accessed military bases and other sensitive sites in the U.S., as many as 100 times in recent years, they range from Chinese nationals found crossing into a U.S. missile range in New Mexico to what appeared to be scuba divers swimming in murky waters near a U.S. government launch site. The incidents, which U.S. officials describe as a form of espionage, appear designed to test security practices at military bases and other sensitive sites. The Pentagon came back and said these individuals are cited criminally, uh, barred from future installation access and escorted off the base, so you're not allowed to scuba dive. For now on, no more wetsuit scuba diving near our military silos. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? So Look, where's the think, reaction I mean, to this?
10: Yeah, but, like, Brian, what do you think would happen if we were scuba diving off the Chinese submarine base in Hanan, right? And I'd say, no, 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 I was just a tourist. You would be locked up damn near for life and then used as a bargaining chip. So we need to start playing hardball. Uh, with this avalanche of espionage that we're under, whether it's the spy bases in Cuba, whether it's the spy balloon, uh, the literally hundreds of thousands of cyber warriors that are stealing our tech, the hundreds of thousands of Chinese students, uh, we are in a full avalanche of espionage because they know that with our open society, we will always be more innovative and creative. But look, at the end of the day, uh, they're just stealing it and applying it right to their military. And what happens in response? What are the consequences for that? They get cabinet meetings. They get a whole string of Janet Yellen, Tony Blinken, Gina Raimundo uh, over there following them around the world saying, please meet with us, please engage. And so that's the green light for Beijing to even do more.
3: Here's I mean, a-
10: there's just he- no consequences to it.
3: Here's the Commerce Secretary coming back, talking about her trip to China, Secretary Gina Raimondo. And keep in mind, she, her, her email was just hacked, and she still went on the trip by the Chinese, right. cut 18.
1: They did hack me, which was unappreciated, to say the least. I brought it up clearly, put it right on the table. I, by the way, I brought up all many of our grievances on behalf of uh, our national security concerns, uh, concerns of U.S. labor, concerns of U.S. business, didn't pull any punches. Um, Still, though, it's a complicated relationship. There's no doubt about it.
3: Well, OK, thanks for that. It sounds like we make great progress. Uh, and now in the G20, yeah. President Xi will not even go. Uh, and right. President Biden says he's disappointed in that.
10: Well, and that's, I mean, Brian, all of these cabinet secretaries going over was the buildup to this Xi-Biden uh, uh, Xi meeting, and now she's not even going to bother. Uh, so it you know, at the end of the day, they are still stuck in the old thinking of we can engage with China. We can engage diplomatically. We can engage economically. All of their buddies in Wall Street and Hollywood and the sports industry can keep making all of their money because they're drunk on Chinese dollars, ignoring all the human rights abuses, slave labor and what have you, uh, and that eventually China will come around. And they have not learned the lesson that they're just going to keep taking their lunch money as long as we let them. Uh, And it's just an embarrassment on the international stage, Brian, and it's dangerous. Uh, It's incredibly dangerous.
3: So a lot of Republicans in this field right now running for president and others, uh, like the really conservative ones like Matt Gaetz, are saying, look, we should not be involved in Ukraine because we want to defend the Ukrainians and help them out with weaponry and, and advice and tactics. And humanitarian aid. Now you got North Korea going over to Russia. China and Russia never been stronger. Their relationship never been stronger. Iran supplying uh, these, uh, suic- these uh, suicide drones. So well, we should have just stayed out of it, and this wouldn't have happened. What does Michael Waltz say?
10: Look, if we had allowed, like so many people were predicting, if Putin had just sliced through Ukraine, he would have kept marching right on into Poland into the Baltics and, and other NATO countries. He has a vision and a dream to reconstitute the old Soviet Union. Stopping that is in our interest and stopping that, letting the Ukrainians do the fighting and dying bravely, uh, when they're asking for the beans and bullets, is in our interest because that's what keeps us out of the war. If he hits one of those NATO countries, we're treaty obligated to then send U.S. troops. However, Brian, uh it, it, we also, at the same time, can't just have an open-ended blank check with no strategy, no objectives, and with the Europeans actually delivering, not what they promise. You've got to pay attention to what they actually deliver, a fraction of what the U.S. has. And I have had it with us subsidizing their social programs. It's a great deal for European politicians. They can keep doling out their socialist buck's while the United States taxpayer subsidizes their defense. So I've introduced a measure, it'll hit the floor next week, called dollar for euro, that they have to match us or we'll pull back uh, to match them. I hope they do the former uh, and not the latter. But um, that's one point. And then the other point is that at the end of the day, if uh, Russia wins in Ukraine and does drag us into a war with NATO, that's a win for China. Uh, And so I think that's absolutely linked. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not a distraction. It's actually a, a, a win for China. And, and that's in our interest to stop as well.
3: There's no separation between China and Russia. So they're looking at this and it will absolutely be a loss for China or a win, depending how committed we're going to be. And we've got to get them more than 31 tanks and we've got to get them the planes and let them win. And if they can't, they can't. But we're giving them things in drips and drabs and it's costing so many lives, if we're eventually going to give it to them, why is there a delay?
10: Either help them win, right? I mean, let's play to win. And what Biden's been doing is just giving them just enough not to lose. It's amazing. Uh, and and that's unacceptable. And hundreds of thousands of people are mm. dead because of it. Uh, so, yeah, look, I agree there. But this kind of, you know, we're going to come back for billions every couple of months uh, until Biden decides it's Uh, enough isn't acceptable either there needs to be a strategy the Europeans have got to do more we've got to put
2: conditions on this aid going forward
3: Michael Walsh thanks so much appreciate it Uh, thank you Michael Walsh Brian Kilmeade show back in a moment
2: expanding your knowledge base it's the Brian Kilmeade show A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Yeah, I just, I just laugh when, when I'm watching some of these debates in the break on, uh, on what's going on with uh, ageism. The, the Democrats are now saying ageism is when Republicans want Joe Biden not to run or say he's too old. That's ageism. It's nothing to do with ageism. You could say it all you want. You could say racist, sexist. We all know that's coming because that's what you do all the time. He did it to DeSantis, and you're accusing Ramaswamy of doing that, Nikki Haley of not using a real name, whatever. But when you talk about Joe Biden, you split the screen with Joe Biden walking with ice cream in his hand. He looks like he's 120. You look at Mick Jagger. As Pierce Morgan was saying that he saw him two weeks ago, he was telling us, I think on... On television, I don't know if it was in the break or on the show, he said the guy's 81 years old. He's older than Joe Biden. He did a three-hour concert without a shirt on. Went crazy. And he hung out afterwards. Bernie Sanders, I don't want to see him without a shirt, and I don't want to see him at a three-hour concert. But if he was running, he wouldn't get elected because he's a socialist. Never accomplished anything. But not because of his age. So please, try another tactic.
2: The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: We're creating good-paying, prevailing-wage jobs where you don't need a college degree to make a decent income, but you got to work as hard to get a college degree. And by the way, we're going to transition to an electric vehicle future made in America. It will be made in America. And that protects and expands good union jobs. Auto manufacturing has largely been a middle-class career with good pay that you could raise a family on.
10: Yeah,
3: that was Joe Biden just slurring his way through another speech over the weekend. Working-class Joe, as we're looking at uh, United Auto Workers strike right now, they are not close. I thought Jim Farley joined me on Friday on Fox & Friends. He had a pretty good proposal. He said it was better than the other lawmakers saying dismissed it. He wanted to go right to the workers. So obviously it's a big deal. The United Auto Workers have not endorsed Joe Biden. A lot has to do with the fact that he's all this electric car and it's not union jobs that build the electric cars and it's totally separate. They don't need as many workers and a different type of um, uh, skill. No doubt about it. We still don't know what to do with the batteries and we don't have the charging stations. Tim Stewart knows all of this. He's a president of the US Oil and Gas Association and his industry often vilified as the bad guys through all this as gas prices are going up. It's because they're greedy, the oil and gas execs. Is that true? Joining me now is Tim Stewart. Jim, what's your reaction to the to the president's latest we're going electric?
16: Well, you know, I, I, I saw Brian. It's good to be with. You. I saw that that interview with on Friday you had with the Ford CEO, and uh, he he brought up some really interesting points with regards to this EV transition, how difficult it is for Ford. When you're losing seventy two thousand dollars on every EV sold, that's a billion dollars a quarter, um, and these are essentially government mandated losses for these automakers. The, the government has come in and said, "You will do this," and they're saying, well, "We're we're building things that consumers aren't interested in." What we're What we're buying, we're we're, we're not just in buying what we're trying to sell, and they're in a difficult spot right now. You know, I think it's really interesting, building EVs is one thing, and the industry is really good at that. Selling them is something wholly different. It's not lack of manufacturing, it's lack of consumer demand, and people just don't apparently want them right now. So, it's an interesting transition time for the automakers, isn't it?
3: Right, uh, it is, because, you know, there was a line to get the Lightning, the Ford 150 Lightning, which is the electric vehicle. Um, I. I'm not sure there's a gas option. There isn't a gas option on that. But uh, like they said, they're not making money off it. And over the last six months, it's dropped off a cliff. But the Chinese are rolling out a whole bunch of electric cars, which evidently are more affordable, according to the European shows. What have you heard about what the Chinese are planning on doing? Because it's in their interest to go electric, isn't it?
16: Yeah, it is, and there's some really interesting, the European automakers have expressed some real concern that uh, with essentially the, for want of a better word, the invasion of the Chinese EV into their markets right now. And I think where, where the U.S. automakers are, you know, there's a, whenever there's a new technology, it's called the hype cycle. You're probably familiar with that. It's this, this trigger, this innovation, all, the world's going to change, and they inflate expectations. Then you, then you enter something that's called the trough of disillusionment. And that's where interest starts to wane as, as people realize, well, the hype isn't meeting the reality. And, uh, I think that's where the, the U.S. automakers are in particular. You know, there, there's a hundred day supply of EVs sitting on the lot still, with the exception of Tesla. And there's only a fifty day supply of, of, gas engine vehicles that are sitting out there. And again, consumers aren't, aren't embracing, even with the Lightning, which is a great vehicle, they just recognize that the infrastructure isn't there. And the gas-powered vehicles are going to be around for a long time, despite what the Rubian CEO happened to say, you know.
3: I want you to hear what uh, Andrew Lipow said. He is uh, Lipow Oil Associates, and he talked about what's going on with the EVs, cut uh, 40.
11: The proliferation of electric vehicles helps to reduce the demand of gasoline and diesel fuel here in the United States. But in the context of the global economy, which continues to rely on fossil fuels, they're gonna do very little to reduce the overall demand in the near term. The biggest issue that I see with electric vehicles is how are we going to supply the power to charge up all those vehicles if the public doesn't wanna build additional electrical generation facilities around the country whether they be powered by solar, wind,
12: nuclear, coal or natural gas.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Has anyone ever played this out?
16: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point, you know, and I think the administration in this hype cycle has really tried to sell uh, the American voters a, a bill of goods here. Energy transitions are really easy when there's plenty of cheap and free money around. But as soon as interest rates grow up and that money dries up, it all changes. You know, it's something really interesting. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Last week, Bloomberg reported that hedge funds are starting to short the stocks, that Biden's IRA bill is meant to help. What they're seeing is is that a lot of these projects, even with all of the, the massive, massive government subsidies that are being put in place and the regulation to push that, what they're finding is these big projects just aren't canceling out. And most of them are stuck in this financing phase, and the hedge funds are looking at it saying these things are going to collapse on themselves because they cannot make money. It's a really interesting thing. Um, and, again, free money is a great lubricant, but it's not not long-lasting, right? Uh, and if your, if your project won't pencil out, even with the, with significant government support, both regulatory and financial, then, then it's clear that, that we're not going to be able to get from here to there. Oil and gas has a good track record. We're a 150-year-old industry. We've proven that our projects pencil out, and, and I think we will see a steadily glowing global market through 2050. So we're we're still encouraged that we're going to be around for a long time.
3: Where are we at now with the drilling on private lands and public lands and uh, the pipelines and, and things of that nature?
16: Well, we're still, you know, each day the Biden administration takes a different step to make our life miserable. We're at 150 different regulatory actions right now to, to slow down work, particularly on federal lands. Uh the rig numbers are interesting. We we've started we've had a lot of rigs be laid down over the summer. Um with the Saudis extending this production cut like they announced this morning to all the way through the end of 23 pushes oil prices back up in that high 80 range and um I think what we're seeing particularly in the Permian basin and other places is that the financing is coming back in. So if you can't get any work on, done on the federal lands, at least let's put some into the more private lands and production there.
3: Uh, that's going to be interesting. Now you have a hands-off uh, my stove initiative, right?
16: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, this goes to that ceiling fan issue and and everything else where the administration is trying to just kind of restrict consumers' ability to use gas-powered appliances because they hate our industry. Uh, and that's going pretty well. It's a nice, it's a fun little volunteer organization. You know, where just a handful of people come together and and to kind of push back and to educate. Consumers, what's happened locally. Um, it's been a funnel initiative, and I think we've actually seen the, the needle start to move in our favor. Most polls now are showing that people are opposed to banning gas stoves. They're opposed to the other regulatory actions, you know, ceiling fans and things like that. So we're, we're, we're moving the needle. It's uh, it's uh, We're up against a, a behemoth of a regulatory structure, and administration doesn't like us, but we're making some progress.
3: All right, uh, Tim, uh, right now we're going to guess about $3.80. Where's it heading?
16: You know, again, the Saudis announced this morning that, that uh, those OPEC uh, production cuts were going to extend through the end of the year. So I wish I had good news for you, Brian, and for your listeners. But I think we're going to hover in where these gas prices were at. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out in Utah today, and we're paying. I paid over $4, paid 75 bucks for a fill-up on my old Ford Explorer on the weekend. And, unfortunately, we don't see an awful lot of relief in sight uh, until the, uh, the, the summer driving season is over. So I wish I had better news for you.
3: All right, but it's the fact. Uh, Tim Stewart, the president of U.S. Oil and Gas. Thanks so much, Tim. Great being with you. Thanks. You got it. When we come back, Arthur Lee, uh, founder of one of the great American companies uh, of LifeFact, CEO. He's got a major announcement that will affect all schools in the entire country. Back with Arthur in just a moment, Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Expanding your knowledge base, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: So Arthur Lee is one of the great American success stories. A guy who starts a business, didn't need Shark Tank. I thought he had an idea to save lives. And he came up with this idea. And it looks, in my pedestrian opinion, like a plunger. So if someone's choking to death, you put a mask over the face, you try to pop it out. Just like you try to open up a clogged pipe. And he figured it out and put it out, got a patent. And next thing you know, it is this booming business saving lives and is really because the indefatigable effort of Arthur and the people around him, they're, uh, they're continuing to save lives. And I understand there's a big milestone they just passed uh, since this company was founded, but they have a bigger announcement. First things first, Arthur, welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. <laughs> Think we just got to get Arthur in a better location. Is he there?
15: 11 lives right. saved now.
3: Yeah, Arthur, you got to start again because you're in a bad spot. So, can you start That's from the so. top? Uh, so, Arthur Lee, tell me what milestone you just passed.
15: Well, we just saved our 800 child yesterday. Yesterday was the 800 child saved. And I, I was just telling that your message, be it your radio or Fox, that you are now at 11 lives saved that have said. I heard about it from Brian Kilmeade. So together we're making a difference.
3: Yeah, uh, that's not, I mean, it's, it's nice for you to, uh, to come on and talk about that and give credit, but it's really to you and your staff and you in particular that invented it. So for people that haven't seen it yet, Arthur, before we get to your big announcement, describe what they would get, uh, what a life fact does.
15: Well, it's a, like you said, it's a little plunger, and uh, it's made in America. It's super simple to use. Uh, you just, like, set a mask, you put it on the face, you push it, you pull it. It sucks out the obstruction of what's killing you. Um, it can it saved, uh, can save yourself. It saved 800 children, 1,200 lives. Uh, we're in schools and fire and police. But people don't realize, you know, the Heimlich doesn't always work, right? That was my big misconception. About a month ago, a medical phys- emergency medical physician was on a plane. Her child choked she couldn 't save him. a male american uh, physician came couldn 't save him. a passenger had a light back and saved the child so it doesn 't get clearer that although we wish you're trained and we hope you 're trained, this is the ultimate safe. you know you have fire extinguisher you can run away from a fire four minutes you're dead and you know, we, it doesn't have to happen anymore, and it, it's inexpensive. It, it lasts forever. If you use it, we give you a free one. I've done everything humanly possible and what we're going to talk about to to stop these tragedies. And parents just go and buy it. They go to Net. they have it in their house, and they save a life. And yesterday was 800 child. We saved two more. So we're actually at 802 children saved now.
3: So, so yesterday, uh, last week you wrote to me right before Labor Day. And you have, you have a proposal. So you're tired of hearing about kids choking to death. You're tired of, of waiting for people to make that decision for their school, for their airline, for their gym, for their household. So what are you doing?
15: Well, think about it right now. Every Costco in America has a light back on the wall, and we all are in 2,000 schools. So I'm out in Wisconsin, and a group called EFA, it's a non-for-profit, it's called Equal First Aid. Children in our schools in a wheelchair or with the braces or numerous reasons can't be Heimlich. You look at the poster, the person standing up. So they have no option. So they put forth legislation, basically a law to obey the ADA law that they deserve an equal chance. So I'm sitting there, and the, a, a mom testifies whose child choked at home, who introduced the bill. Then they, two parents, the Meghnas, talk about their beautiful son, Sam, who choked to death in school. And Mr. Madricks comes on. His granddaughter choked to death in school. Now, this is painful and emotional. We lost five kids. I met a mom in Kentucky whose kid died in school last year, fighting to have it for others. And they start talking about budget. can't be in the budget. We don't have the budget. So I was breaking up, and I just said, well, it's free. I'll give it to every school in Wisconsin. And then I said, you know what? I can't just do Wisconsin. So we're offering a free one to every school. I don't care what happens. I got. I can't take it anymore because kids are going to die this year. They're going to die in school this year. They're going to die at home, but they're going to die in school. And I got to do everything I can do to not have that happen.
3: So, so it, you know, in schools, they like you said, they have the fire extinguisher. Got their basically safety courses. If you, how much is a life act? Sixty nine bucks. So sixty nine bucks. Have fifteen or sixty nine? It's crazy that that's yeah. the budget
15: problem. Right. But, I mean, schools buy them. But the bureaucracy is saying it's not in the budget, so I, I got That's that's not the case. If you watch the clip, I say, you know what? No more budget. I'll give one to every school.
3: I don't care. So would they do? Just contact you.
15: Yeah, well, you know, if you want a lightback your family, your fire, police, your, you know, your business, you go to lightback.net. If you're a school that you know needs a free lightback, I'll give it to you. You email school to lightback.net. And just have your tax ID number, and I will give you a life act. We're going to have a day, a year, where no kid dies in school. I, it won't be this year, but I'm going to try.
3: That's awesome. So, uh, how many life acts have you sold to date? About Roughly 2 million. Two million. Two, two and a
15: half million. How long have you been I mean, at this? Well, I, you know, it took about six years to get my brains beat in. To make it and get it uh, FDA registered and tested, so it's been for sale for about five years.
3: And you had to put up with China trying to knock it off, and other people doing it trying to violate your patent, right? Well, I got
15: it. You wouldn't believe it. I, I get killed from everything. The worst currently is the Chinese knockoffs. Right? We get no protection from anyone, but so we fight them. You know, and then I get called all sorts of names, you know, I'm taking advantage of people and everything, and they cost too much, and oh God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're going to win. And now, I'll give it to the schools. How's that? Now you don't have a budget problem. Right. Wow.
3: Uh, did you check with anybody on your board?
15: <laughs> yeah, they're not thrilled with it, and I got a lot of people now that are screaming at me, you know, that it's too expensive anyway, and I'm taking advantage of the kids with disabilities and all sorts of crap, but... I don't care.
3: Which nothing could be further from the truth. You created something to save their lives. And also for seniors, in these senior centers, uh, I remember George H.W. Bush, 41. One of the things that happened with the yes, disease that Parkinson's. he had, I think it was Parkinson's, he was having trouble swallowing. So every time he ate, every all the nurses would be on pins and needles wondering, you know, we've got to make sure that he's able to swallow. So if something did go wrong, the Life vac would instantly be the thing you need. And sadly, ALS and other things – Everything yeah. becomes a life-and-death experience, the smallest thing. So you, what you're trying to do is you created something to save lives, and you're just trying to get it to the people to save their lives.
15: Yeah, man, it's crazy. But you know what's the God-wink to you mentioning that? About uh, about 45 minutes ago, we got a save. It was in an elder care, senior care facility. Person was in a wheelchair. Didn't have life back. They died. Saved their life. So, like, once again, that's just a God-wink to me. Yeah, it's 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 very frustrating. We we persevere for cures, right? We want a cure. Well, now we have one. And five kids died in school last year and the year before and the year before and every year. A hundred kids since I started this. And kids die at home, too. But we just keep fighting, man. And like I said, I got to sleep at night. So I don't care about the money. Let them get mad at me. I don't care.
3: So, Arthur, I think people should understand, too, when people talk about $69, which is, to me, compared to everything we get for kids and for seniors at that age and you're spending for everything, it doesn't add up to expensive. But if you want to manufacture in America, mail out in America, hire American workers, it is a little bit more costly to do that, to Mm -hmm. to, to get a warehouse on Long Island where New York is taxed through the gills. It costs money to do that, so you have to understand. If someone wants to make something in America, invent it in America, make it in America. That's what the price is. It's no gouging, and now it's a giveaway. Arthur, is, go to lifeback. dot net. Arthur, you still there? Yeah, I mean, it last forever. That's the first part I got <laughs> no. my brain through. <laughs> I know it lasts forever. It's not a scam. Just believe it. He just wants to save your kids' lives or your family members' lives. Uh, Understand him. That's what he's standing for. Arthur Lee, thank you.
5: The Will Kane Show
13: is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.